Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday to all of you. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. You are you. And do we have a lot in store for you today? We are going to get in. For next hour's fake news or not, we're going to dive deep into the new documentary that has gone viral despite a complete and total media blackout, pretty much right and left. The documentary died suddenly. We'll be talking about that next hour on the show. For Pop Culture Tuesday, we're going to get into a new movie where Hollywood made this movie. It is called The Menu, and it is one of the most... Obvious self-owns I have seen this year. And with self-awareness all but gone and dead and done in America, that is saying something. Because we're just self-owning daily at this point. <laughs> all right. But this movie, this movie sticks the landing on self-owns. Uh, we'll get into the film uh, coming up uh, in the next hour uh, of the show as well. Uh, we'll be joined by Julie Kelly from American Greatness at the bottom of this hour. And before we get into all of that, though, I got this note from Matt, uh, or from, sorry, from Quinn the other day. Uh, it says, we kept meaning to order antibiotics from Jace Medical. One of the shows this week finally kicked me into action, ordered the antibiotic kit, and it shipped the very next day. Impressive. Our family feels relieved to have these meds on hand. Again, that's actually from Dana, who must be Mrs. Pittman, because it's Quinn's email. So the Pittman family, they took advantage of the offer that we have going right now with our friends over at Jace Medical. Think of them as medical supply preparation. You know, just in case there should be some venerable drugs that you might need in the future that might help you during a deadly pandemic, and they suddenly decide those are just too dangerous for you to take while we're trying to kill you. Or they, you know, might have made the decision about 30 years ago to let over 80% of your antibiotic uh, supply uh, have it curated over there in China, where they're, you know, in a complete and total shutdown. And now something as venerable as penicillin, amoxicillin, isn't widely available any longer. That's why we signed up with our friends over at Jace Medical for such a time as this. If you want to make the move to Jace Medical, uh, get their pack of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a long list of illnesses. And it takes just a few minutes. The medication dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. Make sure you're prepared. Go to jacemedical.com. That's J as in jump jacemedical.com enter my code that's my last name dace for 10% off promo code dace for 10% off at jacemedical.com so with all that laid out and a lot to do let's get to it let's begin as we always do with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away 
What happened while we were away brought to you by a fair trial, rope, tree, and a chair. We now have the entire deposition of Anthony Fauci in the lawsuit from the states of Missouri and Louisiana against the Biden administration for colluding with big tech to censor free speech. In the nearly 400-page transcription, Fauci says, I don't recall 174 times. Here are some lowlights of perhaps the most sociopathic gaslighter this country has ever seen. On his sudden change of heart on masks, Fauci was asked whom he consulted with about the efficacy of masks. Fauci says he doesn't remember. He was then asked if new information and scientific evidence caused him to change his mind. His answer, quote, I believe it did, yes. Fauci was also asked about whether he'd had a conversation with Jeremy Farrar and Patrick Valentz, two bigwig academic virologists in the UK who were at the forefront of pouring cold water on the lab leak origin theory. Fauci says he never remembered having a conversation with them, but emails from previous FOIA dumps shows Fauci did indeed communicate with them in late January of 2020. This is one of numerous examples of Fauci being asked if he said something not remembering and then presented with his actual words before miraculously remembering what he was talking about. The attorney for Missouri and Louisiana asked, if you look at the second page, just look at the first paragraph of this report. It quotes you appearing on MSNBC's Andrea Mitchell report saying that a video retweeted by President Trump that featured doctors at a press conference touting hydroxychloroquine as a coronavirus treatment was, quote, people spouting something that isn't true. Fauci replies, that's what it says here. The attorney asks if Fauci recalls saying that. Fauci's lawyer tries to object, and Fauci replies, you know, I certainly may have said that. In the same segment of that deposition, Fauci was unable to say what his negative opinion of hydroxychloroquine was based off of. He also tries to claim he was unaware that the Lancet had to retract its embarrassing sham study into hydroxychloroquine as a treatment for COVID. Fauci was also asked if he ever used his media contacts as a means to promote his message. Fauci says he can't remember, and then he was shown evidence that he passed along a paper that claimed COVID-19 was of natural origins to a D.C. newspaper. Paper. Fauci was asked how he assembles his lists of government contacts to send sensitive information to, and he said, I don't believe I spoke to anyone on this list. I just pulled the names out, some of which I knew, end quote. Fauci also claims he had no power to redact portions of emails contained in previous FOIA dumps. Fauci, despite claiming numerous times the virus is of natural origins, said he's not qualified to talk about the virus's origins since he's not an evolutionary virologist. Fauci said he can't recall why he asked a group of international scientists to keep in touch about the emerging virus before admitting that in January of 2020, he was made aware of the possibility that the virus was engineered. He also said he was barely aware of Xi Jing Li in Wuhan, the infamous bat lady, and that he gets confused with Asian names. He claims not to know Ralph Barrick, one of the fiercest advocates of dangerous gain-of-function research. He claims to have never met EcoHealth Alliance CEO Peter Daszak, despite there being photos of the two. And the cherry on top of all of this is that Fauci was asked five times if he knows anyone that works for a social media company before finally admitting what we already knew, that his own daughter worked for Twitter during the pandemic. So the nation's foremost epidemiologist can't remember who he's met, who works for him, what research he funds, or what his daughter does for a living. What would you say you do here? Well, look, I already told you. I deal with the customers so the engineers don't have to. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand it? What the hell is wrong with you people? It's a brutal I don't recall season out there, folks. Be sure to mask up and take your sixth booster. And that's what happened while we were away. In fact, in the middle of the deposition, 
Fauci does ask the attorney questioning him if he got his flu shot as recommended. That, that does happen. We're going to dive more into this. First, though, um, a word from our friends over at Better Spectacles. Linked up on all of my social media accounts is are my thoughts, as well as a link to within the... Actually, it's on Facebook. Within the comments on, on, on Facebook, I posted the link to the actual deposition if you wanted to read it yourself. I spent nearly four hours reading it last night. The entire seven-hour under oath deposition and you're going to read some things that you might just find so incredulous, you're going to question your eyesight. Like, is he really saying this? We're going with this. This is the story. This is the best we have. That's why I want to talk to our friends over at Better Spectacles, just to make sure you are seeing things clearly. Uh, they will help you schedule a teleoptical appointment with some of the best opticians, best trained opticians in the country, give you access to Roden Stock Eyewear, which is available for mass distribution in the U.S. for the very first time. That's one of the leading country, companies in the world. It's what I'm wearing right now. So if you like my glasses, they can hook you up with the exact same frames I have, or maybe even nicer ones. And if you've got, um, you know, a problematic prescription like me, you're a little far, you're a little near, they can help you with that as well. And you can still get access to the cool frames. You don't have to wear the dorky ones anymore. All right, visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Go now. Get 61% off to get you started. They'll throw in the handcrafted Rodenstock frames for free. That's a heck of an introductory offer. 61% off in the rodent stock frames for free when you go to betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Again, betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Here's what I actually want to do. Even though Aaron went over a lot of this, I actually want to go through my Twitter feed again that I put out there in real time as I'm reading this last night. Because... I, I think it would be worthwhile to soak in again. And this is all up on my Twitter feed at Steve Day Show. I took, in, in, in many, in most of the cases, I took snapshots of the clips or the quotes from the deposition so you could see them yourself. It's not just me telling you what's in there. I, I mean, I take the excerpts themselves so you can see them. Let me just, a little slower, so you catch it again what is in this seven-hour deposition. Here's Anthony Fauci saying that he doesn't remember meeting Peter Daszak of EcoHealth Alliance, whom he's funding, but oh yeah, there's pictures of them together and they've emailed. Here's Fauci claiming he doesn't really know Ralph Barrick, with whom there is considerable speculations about the origins of COVID-19, despite the fact he was funding him too. Ralph Barrick has won all kinds of awards from the University of North Carolina. He's, this is not a minor player in the virology, immunology community by any stretch. But the, the virology, immunology community is as vast as the sea is deep. Indeed. Correct? Indeed. It's a it's a it's possible. It's a multitude. Never heard of each yes, other. indeed. Here's Fauci claiming he doesn't know the renowned bat lady of Wuhan, despite her pre-COVID media and scientific notoriety. She was in all kinds of journals. She was featured in all kinds of media because, quote, I sometimes get confused by Asian names. Not making that up. It's all right there, right in the right in the transcript. Here's Fauci admitting that he was warned as early as early as January 2020 that the virus may have been manipulated in some way. 
Fauci claims that he doesn't know exactly what kind of research Barrick and company were doing. But he also asked for the article detailing the kind of research they were doing, forwarded that article to other people as a heads up, and then didn't bother to bring it up at a meeting that was called about the very article. Claims it just never came up. These are very thorough folks. They're the experts. No stone unturned. Every detail, they've got it nailed down. Fauci claims he can't even remember why he asked a group of key scientists to keep in touch about something so serious that he now doesn't remember what it was. Here's Fauci claiming during the advent of a deadly pandemic, he was having key conversations with people he didn't even know. Just talking to people he didn't even know, didn't know their background, sharing information, private exchanges. These are your experts, folks. Fauci makes them ask him if he knows anyone that works for a social media company five times before he finally admits that his daughter worked for Twitter. Five times they had to ask him. Here's Fauci saying he's not qualified to determine the virus's true origin, despite his confident claims of its natural origin. Again, these are all excerpts that are in my Twitter feed. You can go find them yourself. Aaron had a lot of them in his montage. Here's Fauci claiming he also doesn't know or doesn't he doesn't get to decide what is redacted. So if you're keeping score at home in bed, he doesn't know who he talks to, doesn't know whom he funds, uh, doesn't know what exactly it is he's funding, and he doesn't even decide what gets redacted from the public. What exactly does he do or know? He's the science. He is the science. He's just being the science. That's yes. what he's doing. He's just being the science, indeed. Here's Fauci describing the exhaustive security that goes into who gets copied on vital and sensitive communications during a deadly pandemic. He's asked, hey, who's Don Gannon? Don Gannon's a well-known person. Did you talk to him before you put him on this list to Jeremy Farrar, the key email that Aaron talked about in his montage? Quote, I didn't believe I, I don't believe I did. I don't believe I spoke to anyone on the list. I just pulled the names out, some of which I knew, like Varmus and Nabel, some of which were very likely given to me by my staff. Just pulled the names out, man. Just pulling rando names. Spinning the wheel of virology. Sitting in his office, just spinning the wheel. Spinning the wheel of virology and epidemiology and immunology. Rando names come up, right? All these people's names are like lotto balls in the machine. Fauci hits the button, they come out. Oh, hey, it's Don Gannon. Don, you're in. <laughs> this, is, this is sworn testimony, folks, under oath. This is sworn testimony under oath. Two of my favorite trends when you read the deposition, by the way, is Fauci's attorney who objects to literally almost every question, even though Fauci goes on and answers them anyway without answering them, of course. One of the things he... he, he <laughs> there's like 70 exhibits that Fauci gets asked about in this, te in this deposition. And with every, deposi with every exhibit, which is a specific citation of a quote, an event, a paper, his attorney attempts to object on the grounds that it, um, uh, it, it's speculative. Or, quote, lacks foundation. His own words. Now, I might agree that Fauci's own words lack foundation, guys, but I'm thinking probably not for the same reason as Fauci's attorney is probably thinking Correct. that. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. 
Here's Fauci claiming he doesn't remember if he was consulted by the FDA when it falsely, in my opinion, claimed hydroxychloroquine wasn't an effective treatment for COVID-19. How can you not remember something like that? Well, I mean, I got a lot going on. I can't remember if the FDA called and asked me for my thoughts on should we get rid of a drug that could save people's lives during a pandemic? I mean, I'm going to be on MSNBC in 10 minutes, guys. What do I know? Fauci's like Aaron, the priest, when Moses comes down from the mountain. Moses comes down from the mountain with the stone tablets. Aaron's got one job. Hey, don't know how long I'm going to be up there. But these people have literally seen every miracle possible of God. Just keep him in line until I get back. Moses comes down. He's got the stone tablets. There's like orgies and sacrifices going on. He looks at Aaron and said, and dude, a golden calf? What are we doing here? And Aaron's like, I don't know, man. I just, what do I know? I got nothing. I mean, there's just these random pieces of gold showed up, got thrown in the fire. This golden calf came up. I don't know. Bupkis, I got nothing for you. Here and incredulously, Fauci claims he was unaware of that the Lancet had to retract its infamous hacktastic study that claimed hydroxychloroquine didn't work. Remember that study with the 90,000 uh, sample study that hydroxychloroquine doesn't work and it made global headlines and like a month later, the Lancet had to retract that the whole study was a scam. Do you guys remember this? Yes. I mean, I know it's hard to keep all these scams in line, but this one was a famous one. Yeah. Fauci claims he didn't even know arguably the most read medical journal on planet Earth, the Lancet, had to retract the lone exhaustive meta-analysis of hydroxychloroquine that it did during a deadly pandemic. Folks, they don't call him America's foremost infectious disease expert for nothing. He's on it. He's all over it. Here's uh, America's alleged foremost infectious disease expert, unable to cite any other specific studies that proved hydroxychloroquine wasn't effective against COVID-19. Despite all his public claims that this was true, no big thing. Only a life or death situation here. Can't even cite one. Fauci originally claims that he doesn't remember who America's frontline doctors are and what they claimed. Then when he's confronted with a TV appearance that he made condemning them. <laughs> this happens a lot, by the way. This happens throughout the deposition. He claims, I don't remember, that, that never happened. They show him an exhibit. Here is you happening it. Oh, yeah, that did happen. You're right. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times that happens in this deposition. In fact, it happens so often that towards the end of the deposition, he tries it again. And then he says, let me guess, you're going to show me an exhibit of me saying exactly that. And they're like, you're right. Next exhibit. Here we go. Yeah, that's how often this happens. Anyway, when he's confronted with a TV appearance that he made condemning them, he suddenly starts remembering specifics, including, quote, the one African-American woman, end quote. Isn't that Stella that he's talking about? Oh. Yes. So here's your upper crust elite society. I struggle with Asian names. And the only thing I remembered about America's frontline doctors was the one black woman. So there you go. In several pages of testimony, it is revealed that Fauci is really spooked by, um, and him and former, his former boss, Francis Collins, by the way, both very spooked by the Great Barrington Declaration. That's when dozens of 
epidemiologist scientists from around the world signed a document in October of 2020 saying this isn't working. Go back to traditional immunology, focused protection, herd immunity. Sweden has already won the argument. I can't even I mean, this goes on for several pages. There are so many. They had so many communications about this. They went back and forth. They, they studied it. Francis Collins makes it clear that he wants to discredit these people. He wants to destroy these people. They were very freaked out about it. During one of these exchanges, Fauci at first is asked if he ever called the Great Barrington Declaration nonsense. He denies that. And this is the moment I told you about. He then says, let me guess, you're going to show me an exhibit of me saying exactly that. Sure enough, here it is. The very next exhibit entered into evidence is Fauci on TV referring to them as nonsense. Yeah. Again, this, this happens repeatedly. Like maybe a dozen times in this deposition if you read it. Here's Fauci's detailed evidence about why he suddenly became a staunch advocate for public masking. Couldn't cite a single study, reason, person. Nothing when asked. Fauci at first claims to not really know who Alex Berenson is. Then this happens when he's shown an exhibit of him responding specifically to Berenson on CNN. And then he has shown the clip. He's asked, does this jog your memory? It does jog my memory now. Yes, yes, my memory. Consider it jogged. It has been duly jogged, sir. Thank you for jogging me. Yes. This is... For those of us old enough to remember Bill Clinton's testimony to Ken Starr, this is an entire deposition of, depends on what your definition of the word is, is. The entire seven hours is that. It's not just a money shot. The entire seven hours is that. I had to go downstairs and play two hours of Madden after this to scrub my brain. I have been, I have worked full-time in politics, folks, full-time, since 2006, more than 15 years. I have been on the front lines, I have bloodied knuckles, I've been bloodied, I've delivered shots, I've taken them. I've been lied to by the best and the worst. Those 400 plus pages of transcription of that deposition is absolutely the most deceptive, dissembling, demonic collection of answers I have encountered in my career. I've never read anything like it, not even in works of fiction. And this man starting with Donald Trump and then on into the Joe Biden presidency was given almost absolute power over the United States of America. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts? Well, he's a sociopath and he, that it's not just, Oh, most highly paid employee in the entire federal government whoops during a time of crisis just happens to be a sociopath no 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 no. how long has he been there steve i don't know 30 40 years 30 since the age crisis in the 80s he was put in place there 
very early on and or advanced very early on because they figured out he was a sociopath. He's been this person the whole time. That's why he's doing what he's doing. We wrote a book about him. He's exactly everything he said, but he's not the guy in charge. He was put in power, in the, but he's worm tongue. All right. He has been hands, and this is the heck. We can't even get Twitter or this on the news, no doubt. All right. So just even talking about these issues uh, specifically is challenging, let alone going deeper to the fact that this this is about a Hydra-esque something. This guy was absolutely in charge of everything, just like Steve said, but on, on behalf of somebody else, something else, hmm. that spirit of the age. Because, listen... Th this guy, if if he was really the one in charge, he he wants you to know how smart he is. Mm -hmm. As Steve's written about, this is what Steve's trying to teach you when he writes uh, books uh, about nefarious. He doesn't care. He does not care, clearly, if he's viewed as dumb, funny, hypocrite, anything. He's not trying to be smart. He knows he's protected. He doesn't have to argue so himself in or out of anything here. He knows he's protected by an entire system. He's never worked in media. He's been on the media a lot. He's never worked in media. But he knows he's protected on every level. He gets to go in there and flat out say, you're damn right, I ordered the code red. He can say whatever he wants to. Nothing's going to happen to him. And that's not because he was in charge of COVID. That's because somebody else and something else is in charge of everything else. The hours on end deposition, nearly 400 pages long, Along the lines of what Todd was saying, somebody like Anthony Fauci, who has been a card-carrying member of the swamp for over my entire lifespan, a deposition like that is just a formality. It's just, okay, I gotta go maybe fly somewhere, I gotta go sit in this room for seven hours, but don't have anything to worry about, nothing to worry about. That's what he believes, and... If any recent history or history in general has shown us, people like him don't get held accountable. Never. Slippery. Slippery. It's, it's like watching, uh, watching a football player who's, who's hard to bring down. Just weaving, way, weaving his way through the defense. It's like they've got... I, I don't know. It's like they've got slime. I, you just can't bring him. It's that's how he is sociopathically with his lies. You can't hold on to him because he is so shameless, and he knows he does. He, he knows he can be, or maybe he's not even aware of it at this point. Maybe this is just like the air that he breathes. But if these t types of things, if, if you can look at this two ways, if, if this type, if this degree of sociopathy is not held accountable, nothing happens to somebody like this, then we're doomed. Or you can look at it the other way. 
a system uh, that's capable of producing this level of sociopathy is already doomed or is a sign that we have been doomed. Whatever the case is, Anthony Fauci, whether it was through direct communications with media contacts or social media, or whether it was just the spirit of the age Borg mind, is responsible, is responsible for destruction on levels that this, that this civilization has never seen or contemplated. He and his acolytes. That is just the reality. I would be willing to bet there has never been sworn testimony like this in the history of this republic. And frankly, just as, you know, amateur historian thinking of inquisitions, intifadas, tribunals of the past, I, I, I can't think of anything that comes to mind that is anything like this. The man is void of truth. Void of it. It doesn't exist in his ecosystem. He is either the Peter principle. You rise to the level of your own incompetence and knows nothing. Absolutely nothing. Or we invoke Aaron's razor which is what Todd was theorizing a minute ago. It's just demonic, bro. He's a construct. But there's nothing in between. Nothing. Neither option's particularly comforting. But those are the only two options on the table. I would urge you, if you get a chance, to read this for yourself. It's a historic document. There's never been anything like it in American history. And it also shows we're on the path as a people to being lost to history. You know, offers for free iPhones are usually too good to be true, but just like freedom itself, nothing is free. Mobile phone companies not only lock you into long-term contracts, but they also build the price of the phone into your bill with some hidden fees. With Patriot Mobile, they show you how to get the same iPhone interest-free without the games and no contract. Patriot Mobile is really the only American mobile phone company left in America. They offer the same nationwide coverage as all the communist corporations because they all pretty much use all the same towers these days. But they also offer a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch to either of the three major carriers that they provide for free. So go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. PatriotMobile.com slash Steve or call their 100% U.S.-based customer service team today at 972-PATRIOT. Get a free activation today with the offer code Steve, a free activation with the offer code Steve at PatriotMobile.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. We understand on the heels of a 30-minute breakdown of Anthony Fauci's deposition, that we just provided you to continue with that level of sociopathic gaslighting is, is really a, a big ask of this audience. Nevertheless, 
Julie Kelly is here to continue stumping for green bean casserole. Uh, and so, yes, there it is. Show me, show me on the doll where the green bean casserole <laughs> hurt you. <laughs> yes. Touchdown. <laughs> she don't play. I miss her on is anything the- else. How does my, how does my not liking green bean casserole impact your liking of green bean casserole? <laughs> So much. Todd, help me out. Is it the luscious, crispy onions? Is it the perfect mix of your canned green beans and canned cream of mushroom soup? Like, how are you American? I'm taking away your U.S. American patriot card. You're just a classy lady who... Knows a good thing when she sees it. And I got to tell you, she, she is too. I mean, look, her hair is on point. That's a classy outfit. All right. She looks great. And then she holds up that picture of green bean casserole. Who dropped you on your head? Why the self-loathing, Julie? Why? Why put all <laughs> that? Why put, and for you, it's a minimal effort. We know. But why put the minimal effort it took for you to look at this good on camera and then cover it up with the monstrosity known as green bean casserole? Why would you do that to yourself? I'm just looking at this photo and I'm thinking this is all I want to eat for lunch. I haven't even eaten yet. And this is all... I want, you know, there are a few delicacies in life, right? Foie gras, you have caviar, maybe a little oxtail. Chocolate chip cookie and then dough. And green bean casserole. Yeah. You're being way too nice, Julie. Just come out and say it. Steve is part of a January 6th level conspiracy <laughs> against green bean casserole. It goes green bean deep. casserole is a Thanksgiving false flag. <laughs> Who's green yeah, bean casserole? Yeah. Start asking that. <laughs> Who is green bean casserole? Who is it? <laughs> All you right. are the Michael Fanone of green bean casserole. That's where you are. You're the Vinman of Thanksgiving dinners. How do you like them apples? <laughs> All right, let's 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 get to the the real reason we had you on, other than just the you know you continuing to want to be wrong about this. Um, there has been a lot going on uh, when it comes to alleged insurrections, uh, trials, oath keepers. It, we've had an election since the last time we talked to you. I don't even know where to start. I mean, I've been following your work very closely. So you tell us where we should start. Wh- where should this conversation begin for our audience? Well, I mean, I guess it should start with, um, the January 6th committee. It looks like today they are meeting today, Tuesday, they are going to consider sending criminal referrals to the department of justice. I'm assuming somebody said mentioned perjury. Uh, it could be contempt of Congress for a few lawmakers who have refused to respond to subpoenas. So that's happening today. What's also happening today on Capitol Hill is Capitol police officers, Capitol police and DC Metro are getting the extremely rare honor of uh, Congressional Gold Medals of Honor. Um, And uh, a few of them, including the police chiefs for Capitol Police and D.C. Metro, snubbed Senate uh, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, which is fine, right? We don't care about that. Incoming Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy, he wins. It looks like he probably will. Um, And so they snubbed them. Here they are giving away more honors 
more medals, more money, more accolades to two police departments, not only responsible for the deaths of four Trump supporters that day, also failed to protect Congress in the building, and in some instances, let protesters into the building. So we just keep getting this dichotomy, this dissonance, Steve, about what happened on January 6th, how they are elevating certain elements like law enforcement, which they don't do anywhere else in the country, while also it looks like burying law enforcement's failures on January 6th in this committee report so Liz Cheney can only focus on uh, Donald Trump's role that day. How many people do we still have? How many, how many nonviolent offenders, Julie, do we still have being detained indefinitely as we head to the um, two-year anniversary of this? Right. So there are still dozens of men in federal custody who have been incarcerated, denied bail on nonviolent offenses. I'm guessing there are probably a few dozen at this point, uh, including members of the Proud Boys who are charged with seditious conspiracy. That was the charge also for the Oath Keepers trial that you just brought up, two convictions in that case last week. These are still nonviolent offenses, though, Steve. And this also applies to members of the Proud Boys. Four of them have been in jail since the spring, one of them since January of 2021, facing this absurd rare charge that is only intended to bolster the narrative that this was an insurrection. Um, but still, the holding of political prisoners now almost two years later, not to mention excessive sentences handed down by D.C. judges uh, on people also pleading guilty or convicted of these same nonviolent offenses like obstruction and conspiracy. How much longer can they do this? Or is it just a question of if no one with in an official capacity steps in to help here or at least push this to a head for put these guys on trial and let's move on, they'll just keep this is North Korea now. They can just keep doing this because that's what the D.C. gulag is. Is that the answer? That is. I mean, there's no one shutting them down. I say that these defendants are in a legal and judicial circle of hell, and they are. These judges know they should be releasing these nonviolent defendants with no criminal record. Many of them are veterans. They pose no threat to the community, but they are invested in promoting this narrative as well. Um, these trials should be moved instantly out of Washington, D.C., especially, say, the Oath Keepers trial. You have a rare charge. An Amer no American has ever been convicted of seditious conspiracy. Um, and you had these two groups, the focus of this January 6th committee. You had, Steve, a committee hearing going on about the Oath Keepers naming names of the defendants who are on criminal trial mm. three blocks away from the courthouse. I mean, the, when you talk about North Korea, you talk about a Marxist operation and apparatus. This is what these people are dealing with. Not a single judge has moved a trial out of Washington, D.C., not even to Virginia or somewhere else in Maryland. They know that this is a rigged system. They want to help DOJ get convictions. A lot of these judges came straight from the U.S. Attorney's Office of the District of Columbia. They were prosecutors there. They were put on the D.C. District Court. And these are the same prosecutors going in front of them to convict these January 6th defendants. I mean, it's something that I never thought we would see in America. The only hope we have now, Steve, is for Republicans to do two things, use the power of the purse, cut off funding for these offices, including agencies like the FBI, um, and also make public, public accountability to the prosecutors, 
uh, the um, the lawmakers, and yes, even the judges who are co-signing onto all of this egregious, unprecedented, retaliatory uh, prosecution of Trump supporters. What can what can people in our audience do to help these people? Well, there's uh, the fund PatriotFreedomProject.com, and that is the one fund that was put together uh, in 2021 when there was no help available to raise money, not just for defense attorneys, but for these families who are being utterly destroyed. You should see these children and the look that the look in their eyes. I mean, they have been destroyed. They are complete outliers and outcasts. They're, uh, they're anathema in their own community. Some of them dropped out of school because this government, Joe Biden, Attorney General and Chris Ray, um, Attorney General Merrick Garland and Chris Ray, FBI director, and every member of Congress considers these people domestic terrorists. So if people want to help, especially during the holidays, there's a holiday fund for the children, uh, patriotfreedomproject.com. Also, push your lawmakers, your Republican House members and senators as well, even though it'll fall on deaf ears, that we need public accountability, we need hearings, we need subpoenas, we need people to uh, account for their conduct here. We need the video released of the surveillance video inside and outside the building that day. We need updates on the pipe bomber. Why did that story suddenly disappear? And we need a lot more information and disclosures about federal assets, including FBI informants and undercover agents run into these groups and on the ground uh, in the city of Washington and at the Capitol on January 6th. What about our GOP governors? Is there anything they could be doing or not? I mean, I don't know. With it being in D.C., I don't know. But what could they be doing? I don't know. Well, look, I sort of really like the formula of, of Eric Schmidt and Jeff Landry and this lawsuit that they have filed uh, claiming that the government was in cahoots with big tech to violate the 1A rights of American citizens. Why aren't governors and Republic attorney generals, especially in Florida and Texas, which have the highest number of January 6th defendants mm -hmm. and plenty of detainees, why aren't they filing suit as well, claiming that this government, DOJ, is violating the First Amendment rights, the Fourth Amendment rights, the Sixth Amendment rights, and Eighth Amendment rights of their constituents? There are governors I really like, that you and I really like, mm -hmm. who have been utterly silent as their constituents have been dragged off, hauled off by this FBI, some of them dragged to a D.C. gulag. They have not said a word. That cannot continue. Uh, I agree. I agree. The PatriotFreedomProject.com, that's the website, correct? Yes, it is. What ends, you mentioned the trial with the Oath Keepers. That, that, there was a bit of a mixed verdict there. So what we, what we learn and what was the ultimate verdict? Well, uh, so there were five men on trial, alleged members of the Oath Keepers. They all faced this seditious conspiracy count that was filed a year after January 6th under pressure from Merrick Garland because uh, the Democrats were upset there were no insurrection-like charges. So this was a seven-week trial. The jury went, uh, con deliberated for three days. There were numerous counts. Two men, including the founder and leader of the Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes, convicted of seditious conspiracy. Three men acquitted, all five uh, convicted with obstruction of an official proceeding. There were a variety of other charges. It's interesting, though, Steve, not a single charge or conviction for a weapons violation. This has to be the worst militia in American history. Mm -hmm. 
They left their firearms legally in a hotel in Virginia, did not bring any weapons, uh, yet I guess two men now can conspire to overthrow the government with no weapons, including one guy who didn't go in the building, but because they had a lot of chatter a few weeks before January 6th and private group chats and on social media, that makes them traitors. That's exactly where we are now, an escalation of the criminalizing of political dissent in America. Is this is the only is the only ultimate real way out of this? Let, let's say we got whether it be Abbott in Texas, DeSantis in Florida, the, the governors you were referencing. The that adjudication process is going to take, you know, a year plus, right? Unless they get some kind of emergency cert, and I, I think that would take an act of God at this point, given the current climate in the country towards these people, for that to happen. So, uh, are are we really looking at? If there's not a Republican president that's elected in 2024 that gives these people commutations or pardons, who knows how long they're in there, essentially? That's right. I mean, they'll be in there. They continue to delay these trials. And not only that, they face convictions. They face decades in prison. If they are convicted, the DOJ continues to ask for terrorism enhancements in sentencing even for low-level offenses or this obstruction felony, uh, and judges are signing off on it. So even the ones who are, you know, still languishing and are convicted, they're facing potentially some of them as they are older the rest of their lives in prison. Um, it is really twisted, and what a lawsuit could do, and we see this progress that we made with Eric Schmidt's lawsuit and Jeff Landry mm -hmm. is it's filed outside of Washington, D.C. It's in the hands of a judge outside of Washington, D.C. And the discovery process really brings a lot of things to light. And I think that that's something that could happen here. Thank you for the update, Julie. Remind our audience how they can follow your work. What's the best way to do that? Um, all my work is at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, Twitter, Julie underscore Kelly, too. Uh, and I'm on Getter and True Social. Not that often, though, Julie underscore Kelly. If we don't see you again um, before the holidays, Merry Christmas. All right. Appreciate all the fantastic you. work you have done this year. Okay. Thank you for covering it all year to all of you guys. Thanks so much. You bet, Julie. Thank you. Gentlemen, what do you think? Just like in the introduction of the show... When I said all this Fauci stuff, it, it, it's bigger than him and COVID. Everything Julie's talking about it is bigger than January 6th. Someone else is controlling this because remember, as these guys are left to rot in jail, it, it, what, the re Republican kid who was uh, canvassing for somebody got run over and killed by somebody? That guy's let out of jail. Pedophiles in California let out of jail. I mean, this is dark night, bad gate prison stuff. You are meant, this is less about the people in jail right now than it is about you. You step out of line, this is what happens uh, to you. Or if you're willing to go crazy on the, on the woke stuff, it doesn't matter what you do because we got your back. That's the message being sent on this stuff. And on any single issue, and we got so many of these issues, that's what... Don't ask yourself, how can we have so many cataclysmic things going on like January 6th, COVID, transgenderism, what, what terrible luck we have? No, it's all part of the plan. My reaction to this is the same as it has been multiple times and talking about this particular issue and thinking more 
to Fauci. The, the people who are being punished don't deserve to be punished. And the people who are not deserving, or who do deserve to be punished, far too often get rewarded for mm. their malfeasance. This is how we get John Browns. It's surprising, or maybe it maybe it shouldn't be surprising. It's it's still surprising to me that we haven't seen that yet, to uh, to an alarming degree. But that's how that happens. Ju uh, law is as law does. The only laws that matters are the ones that are enforced, regardless of whether those laws are real or made up. Next hour, the term of the year died suddenly gets its own movie and we will discuss it next Back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. He's Aaron McIntyre. He is Todd Erzin. You are you, and you can let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show. little Did bubble there. eat Kermit the Frog? That was, that was very <laughs> odd. Okay. Uh, you can email the show. Uh, Steve at stevedace.com. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and uh, also over on uh, Getter. And where else? TikTok, Instagram, uh, at Steve Day Show there. Twitter is where you want to find us there. Uh, Getter, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Steve Day Show there. And what else? Uh, yeah, Rumble. Rumble.com slash Steve Day Show is where you can get clips of the show that are free to watch, free of any censorship as well. And the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Those of you that are podcast listeners, thank you very much. If you've yet to do this, please leave us a five-star review. Uh, hit a subscribe or follow button on your podcast platform of choice. Thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. We greatly appreciate each and every one. This portion of the show brought to you by our friends over at Masterworks. There was a report out recently on the hidden half. That's the biggest banks and investment firms in the world who are putting up to half of their total assets into new investments. What do they know that we don't? Well, maybe that the economy is about to get worse. Heck, the CEO of JP Morgan himself just warned stocks could slide another 20%. But even bigger news is where they're moving their money. They're plunging into alternatives like fine art. Big wigs know it's outpaced even the S&P 500 over the last quarter century and not by a little, by well over 130%. But now, the regular guy, we can do the same. With our friends over at Masterworks, even in 2022, Masterworks has produced results. Like in early October, Masterworks had a strategic exit for a 21.5% net return to its investors. That's over 21%. Six of their seven exits have done that well, or over 20% in net returns. Do not sleep on this because... With major economic markers flashing red, the next six months could be some of the most important to your investing life. Paintings have sold out in minutes on Masterworks, but you can get priority access right now at masterworks.com slash, slash Steve. Masterworks.com slash Steve. That's masterworks.com. Use the promo code Steve. And you can also get important disclosures at masterworks.com slash CD as well. 
Let's bring in my oldest daughter, Anastasia. Good to see you, Princess. How are you? Good. How are you, Dad? I am uh, uh, better than I deserve, despite the fact someone I once had immense respect for came on here to uh, lobby on behalf of the monstrosity known as green bean casserole. But uh, I'll try to overcome that disappointment in a year of them. What are we playing this week? Um, well, quickly, fun fact, I was at the front desk and I actually heard, I just heard shouting of green bean casserole. I wasn't even watching. So <laughs> just so you're aware. It's a very passionate topic. <laughs> um, so this week we're playing kind of my version of Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Okay. So I pulled from the subject math, history, and science for um, fifth grade test questions. Oh boy. So they do have options, so that that's good. But so uh, rules... Just make sure that you don't answer before I read all the options. And this is for all three of you. And let's have it be like to ring in, you can say Bing. Okay. Todd's Bing. So we're all competing against each other directly. Yes. Not, okay. Okay. Yes. All right. So we'll start off with... This is not going to go well. I'm not be smarter honest. than a fifth grade. <laughs> we're, we, are, we are about to face On Let's purpose, just be honest about we'll that. We'll start off with history because um, I'm going to save math for last. Oh boy. <laughs> I almost feel like let's just let's just let's just get it over with, but okay. Okay. All right. So this is history. Okay? All, right. All right. When was the Bill of Rights signed? A. 1789. B. 1791. C. 1790. Or D. 1792. Bing. Todd. 1789. That is incorrect. I was going to say B. 1790. Bing. Or 1791. I mean. That is correct. Okay, because okay. that's when the that's when the Constitution was ratified. Okay. Okay. Next right. question: When was the U.S. Declaration of Independence written? A. July fourth, seventeen seventy six. B. May fourth, seventeen seventy six. C. April fourth, seventeen seventy six. Or D. March fourth, seventeen seventy six. When was it written? Yes. Bing D. That is incorrect. The one that whatever April was. Bing April. That is incorrect. Okay, then the one that's left that's not July 4th. That is also incorrect. According to the fifth grade test, is July 4th, 1776. Well, that's when it was ratified. Yeah. They wrote and ratified Signed. it in the, same, in the same day. I didn't realize they did, wrote. Did you, wasn't, did, it did you was say a, written? It was written, and that is according to the fifth grade test.com or whatever. Uh, we, we all outsmarted ourselves, apparently. Yeah, I, I, okay, <laughs> all right. Just trying to show that you guys know more than the actual question. Well, that's why we all didn't answer July 4th, because we know that's yeah. the day that it was actually ratified on the 2nd, but it was commemorated on the 4th, but okay. Okay, no extra points. Okay, so last question for history. When was the first war between American colonies and Britain? A, 1776, B, 1775, C, 1774, or D, 1773? Bing. B, I think B, 1775. That is correct. Yeah. Okay, Dad. All right. Let's go to science. Okay. <laughs> I kind of feel like I might have tapped myself out on the history questions that we... When is the first war? Or first, I think if she meant like battle. Ah. Uh, yeah, I think that's what she meant. I took yeah. it as battle. Yeah. Okay. Take but it up the, with but, our fifth grade public school teachers. But the, yeah, we're, we're, well... <laughs> <laughs> that's for another day. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now we're on to science. <clears throat> Which describes a change that takes place when a chocolate bar melts? A, a solid becomes a gas. B, a liquid becomes a gas. C, a solid becomes a liquid. Or D, a liquid becomes a solid. Bing. Bing. Go ahead. Aaron. Aaron. C. That is correct. Okay. 
I know my chocolate. Yes. Are the rest of the questions about chocolate? <laughs> they are not. Oh. And he, he knows about melting because Aaron is all about disappointment. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Next question. Which will a magnet attract? A, a glass marble. B, a plastic cap. C, a rubber band. Or D, a steel nail. Bing. D. Aaron? D. That I said is bing. Yeah. You got a bing, Todd. A bing. You, you of all people should know that. <laughs> Last question Todd for science. Todd just can't get his mind wrapped around the involuntary bings. Yes. <laughs> Last question for science. What, which time of day does the sun appear highest in the sky? A, midnight. B, noon. C, sunrise. D, sunset. Bing. Dad? B, noon. That is correct. Okay. This is Todd, I'm going to let you know it's not looking good. I was we, expecting... Well, I'm a little concerned that this is all we expect from yeah. magnets. And I mean, there was like nails and fuzz was the argument, basically. <laughs> How does glue taste? Yes, this is what we're doing. <laughs> what I mean, is your favorite paste? High noon? Public schools are sunset? like I don't... that scene from Idiocracy where he's trying, they're trying to put the, the, the round pegs in the square holes. Yes. That's, a, that's apparently Does Brawny have now. electrolytes? Yeah. True? False. Yes. Okay. Maybe getting... I really just involuntarily chose these. To point out our public school system. Well, it, you're it, you're doing a good job of it for Thank sure. You. Yes. I didn't, but maybe I did. Okay, it's an unintended consequence. Now we'll move on to math. Okay. Oh, all right. Good luck, guys. Because <laughs> that's I was telling. Okay, I told everybody. <laughs> you guys, you got these. You got this. Considering I had to be corrected in the saying of how to ask the questions. So. Oh boy. <laughs> on one of these. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> A cookie recipe calls for a half cup of sugar. Which fraction is equivalent to that amount of sugar? A, two-third, B, three-fifths, C, four-eighth, D, six-tenths. Uh, C, it being Aaron? C. I can't believe that this is... Yeah, I know. That is correct. Yeah, I mean, I would have gotten that one. That's how easy that was. I you didn't say Bing. Because it was about cookies. Because hey. He said uh. Bing first. That's why. Okay. Quick... Quick trip managerial quiz. You can't do that to me. I do that to other people. You can't do that I to just, me. I just, you know, you said it was easy and then you didn't bang. So I'm just, you just let him have it though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that you guys would be tied. It's, you know, so it's better to give than to receive. Okay. Yeah, it's Christmas. Yeah. Okay. You know it is. Yeah. Did Rolling Stone do this quiz? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> During a hailstorm, one fourth of the cars parked on a lot were dented. Which percent is equivalent to the fraction of cars that were dented? A, 14%. B, 20%, C, 25%, or D, 41%? Bing. Dad? C, 25%. That is correct. See, I can math. I'm smart. I can do stuff like Fredo. Yes. I got a math question. Okay, this is the last one for math. Which name best describes a quadrilateral with exactly one pair of parallel sides? A, square, B, rhombus c rectangle d trapezoid bing c rectangle that is incorrect uh that's uh d trapezoid that is correct you didn't bing but i'll give it to you todd got one so dad you, you weren't <laughs> shut out brother that one was actually interesting yeah i should have thrown one in like really hard but i feel like math questions for me that are harder are different than what's actually hard but okay so dad you won that's your first thing that you won here when i've gone on maybe it's in past so what life, you're saying is i need I, I need you to stop coming that's what i'm saying is you are you, compared you bring, to knowing your wife you bring knowing doom. your daughter knowing 
facts about people you knew the dates of the history so congrats what we know i'm saving it wow let me step in and save you wow what we know here is graduating from fifth grade is meaningless what what are you where did you get that goodness you just okay i i is this how i make other people feel what she just did to me just now is this what i do to others i'm just being honest Uh, just being honest but woo! yes wow congrats all right. Thank you, Princess. Appreciate You're welcome. it. All right. So Aaron and I, smarter than a fifth grader. Todd? Ish? I kind of lost the will to participate. Yeah. Cause <laughs> As did I. It's like, man, I don't want to win this now. I needed a W, so I'll take it. Thank you. I needed a win bad. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's get to fake news or not. Brought to you by our friends over at Rough Greens. Um, obviously, you love your pet, but do you know that a lot of the food that you're buying at the store has been stripped out of a lot of vitamins, minerals, and nutrients your pet needs the most? They do the same thing with a lot of the food we eat as people these days. That's why we're buying so many supplements. And now there is a supplement for your pet. It's this thing right here if you're watching uh, on TV. Rough Greens is the supplement powder you mix in with your pet's food and you put the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, and more, the nutrition that your pet needs back in to its diet. But you might be wondering, what if my pet doesn't like the taste of it? What if I don't see a difference? All excellent questions to ask. So how about a free bag to sample it for two weeks? We'll give you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, roughgreens.com. We ask you to pay a few bucks for the shipping so that you're invested, but we'll pick up the far bigger expense with the product itself at roughgreens.com, or you can call them if that's simpler for you at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Let's now get to fake news or not. And this documentary debuted a little more than two weeks ago. And despite the fact there has been almost an entire Overton window, right and left media in America, blackout of this film. When I watched it last week, it had well over 10 million views on Rumble. Todd and Aaron have had a chance to watch it as well. It is the documentary named after the term term of the year. A term that, frankly, we had not heard all that much until 2021 and then far more often again in 2022. That term is died suddenly. Here's a clip. An elderly woman has died in what's believed to be South Australia's first case of fatal blood clotting caused by the AstraZeneca COVID vaccine. Investigation is underway tonight over whether a local man suffered blood clots as a result of getting the Pfizer vaccine. teachers who were at Soames Elementary School for more than 20 years and passed away suddenly this school year. That's just a snippet of what is contained within this film. I don't even know where to begin 
Um, so I guess I'll just begin by asking the two of you, fake news or not? It's not fake news. I, when I go into this and the other movies we watched like it, remembering the early videos out of China, uh, people fainting in air quotes, and there's been a lot of suspicion about whether or not uh, that was manufactured, because in some cases uh, you saw people in body bags and one of them suddenly moved. I mean, they were, it's clear there was some level of propaganda going on, which doesn't mean like all of it uh, wasn't happening. And then the, the ones in particular of the, they're looking like behind them, like something's happening. All I, all I know is this. Here's my, my Rosetta Stone for all of this. Uh, my, the one that I'm going to use today to help you. And, and I know Steve saw this. He posted this. I, I don't know who this guy is because I don't watch a lot of pro basketball, but the Atlanta Hawks play-by-play guy, is that who that was, Steve? Yes, that, yeah. They instantly are coming out and saying, uh, he, anyways, this happened to him. It's on camera. It just happened. It's not in this movie. It just happened. He just goes into one of these stroke-like convulsions. They're coming out and they're saying he was dehydrated. Now, I've seen people faint from dehydration. It doesn't look like that. They just kind of black out. They get weak. They don't stroke out. They don't have a seizure. So just uh, the fact that just within the last 24 hours, we see them gaslighting on this means that you, you don't have to accept every single instance in this movie as gospel fact, but there are so many instances that it it's just undeniable that this vaccine is poisoning some people as it's always been with other vaccines some people have thought certain vaccines affect uh rh negative people uh more than others uh it, it this is not new why is this happening to some people and not other people who got which vaccines when heck steve very early on did a version of what i said just trying to hold himself accountable remember when uh this was coming out with a lot of the uh european soccer players steve but we weren't getting a lot of this yet well we need to know the answer to that sooner or later mm -hmm. well we're getting a lot of this now and when you then look at the shots that you didn't see of the cadavers where they're pulling these things out of i i we are we're in the midst of one of the greatest cover-ups, if not the greatest cover-ups. There's great, been great crimes, ghastly crimes throughout all of human history. But we are in the midst of one of the greatest cover-ups, certainly of a, a scientific catastrophe in all of human history. So, just to be clear, the whole movie is not just videos of people keeling over. Um, I thought the conversation with the embalmer towards the the beginning or multiple embalmers and was 
was uh, interesting. Certainly nothing that we have, if you've been following this closely, nothing that you are not familiar with already. I'll say two things. One is I can't verify or find every single instance that was brought up uh, in that montage just to see what they were saying or where it happened or what even what year it was from. And it makes me really n nervous sometimes to not be able to have that foundation and to kind of be able to verify because that's just kind of as much as I possibly can with as much that's hit, uh, you know, that, that comes at us on a day-to-day -day basis, it's still kind of, I, I want to at least find out when, when this existed or when this was. Um, and so I can't, I can't verify. And so I, I always get nervous because we get into uh, release the Kraken Dominion mm -hmm. voting systems territory. And the film starts off with an opening credits, you know, about the lunar landing as was that, conspiracy you know what I mean? it gets into mm -hmm. yeah all of that at the beginning which i in yeah. my opinion i kind of think undermines its overall message yeah. so but yeah or yeah i mean i saw that as well i wasn't sure whether to take that as are these the, th the same thing or was that just being sarcastic mm -hmm. like you think that this is not actually happening or something like that but um all of that is to say however and this is not to this is not to say at all to ignore or not be concerned with verification, what is the truth? Not at all. I'm just saying the burden of proof no longer, at least in my mind, should lie with us until until these institutions and pharmaceutical companies and government agencies have done enough to regain your trust and whatever that is for you guess what they're your bleeping employees so that's up to you whatever that bar is for you to be able to trust them again until they regain your trust every damn every damn instance of this every every video that you see whether it's the sportscaster keeling over or whether it's a player collapsing on the court Every damn video is died suddenly. Did he get the jab? You don't need to ask the family members that. I mean, that's a little weird, but that's instantaneously. They deserve, they deserve to prove otherwise. You're not the crazy one. Automatically assume that's what it is until you are shown satisfactory evidence to the contrary. So, yes, you need to verify if you possibly can, but as a default position, that's where this lies. And one other thing real quick. I saw somebody post a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not sure whether they were trying to throw cold water on this documentary or not, or whether they were trying to make some other point. And I tend to remember this as well. Early on in COVID, there were some talk about blood clots before we even had the jab. There, were, there was talk of, of blood clotting issues. And I think this person was trying to say, well, it's all of these blood clots. All of these blood clots are actually because of COVID, not because of the jabs. Actually, that just kind of confirms, doesn't it? That actually lends itself to the idea 
that it is the jab. So you mean to tell me that this that this virus with the spike protein is capable of causing blood clots on your own, right, and then you go and then you jab, jab yourself produces. full of these spike proteins? Great point. That is actually... So if you hear that, well, could all be because of COVID, remember... This vaccine is derived and it contains the spike protein that is probably causing those blood clots on the uh, with, with the covid virus in and of itself. So those are the uh, two two kind of large observations. That's a great point you just made. Here, here's my reaction. Yesterday, the prestigious British Medical Journal. Published the following analysis. It looked at a risk-benefit ratio for young adults with the COVID jab. It points out that over 300 universities and colleges were mandating COVID boosters across North America. There's over 1,000 that still have two-dose COVID-19 mandates still in place. Using CDC's Pfizer data, they estimated that because of how weak it is against stopping infections, they would need to jab anywhere from 31,000 to 42,000 previously uninfected. Now, how hard is it going to be to find a mass of uninfected people that have not even had an asymptomatic exposure to this virus over the last couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. This study determined, looking at the data, and again, this was, pro- this was published not by a talk show host named Stu Peters or by uh, a, a millionaire with, with an anti-vax hobby named Steve Kirsch, as he's been criticized by some of these people. And I don't know either one of these guys, by the way. I never heard their names in my life until this last year. But they're who produced that documentary, Died Suddenly. This is, this is a meta-analysis done yesterday in the BMJ, the British Medical Journal. They estimate anywhere from 31,000 to 42,000 previously uninfected adults between the ages of 18 to 29 would have to be boosted to prevent... Are you ready? Are you ready for this? One COVID hospitalization within that peer group over six months. That's the danger. One. 31 to 42,000 young adults would have to risk their physiologies on this jab to prevent one serious COVID infection in their peer group. One. In general, is it a bad thing for societies to kill off their 18 to 29 year olds? Yes. Because they have the tendency to be doing what at 18 to 29? Working, having kids. Yeah, 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 exactly. Everything. Perpetuating your species. Yes. Yes. Okay. One. They also anticipate within that same sample anywhere from 1,400 to 4,600 cases of an adverse event, which would prevent people from conducting daily activities. Let me reiterate this. 
31, this is, I, this is on all my social media feeds today. 31,000 to 42,000 previously uninfected 18 to 29 year old adults would have to be infected, would have to be jabbed to prevent one COVID hospitalization in their peer group. On the other hand, they anticipate within that group, looking at the rates of adverse events, anywhere from 1,430 to 4,600 uh, cases of adverse events so serious that they would miss at least a day of, of, of daily activities like work and others. They anticipate anywhere from one and a half to 4.6 booster-associated cases of myopericarditis within those males. Best case scenario is you're a little more likely to get myo or pericarditis if you're 18 to 29 getting a COVID jab. A skosh more likely to get that than you are to prevent a single hospitalization of COVID. Worst case scenario, you're four times more likely to get myo or pericarditis at your age than you are to prevent a COVID hospitalization. You can think whatever you want about this documentary. I found it very compelling. Like I said a few minutes ago, I thought the introduction kind of troubled me a little bit. But as we got into it, especially because I see a lot of people I know, Ryan Cole, Peter McCullough, people that have been frequent guests on this show, Robert Malone and others. I think it's very compelling and a devastating watch overall. But you can think whatever you want about it. And I give the filmmakers credit for at least trying to squeeze this through the Overton window. This is the data. This is in their own academic sources. So as has often been the case for me since March 16th of 2020, my rebuttal to your demonic BS is your own data. Your own data. I don't have to make a film like this. Your own data tells the tale. Dr. Fauci can't recall that data, Steve. Indeed, he can't. I wonder if some people might re be able to recall it at a gallo or maybe on trial for their lives, like at Nuremberg. I won't be as concerned then. I might jog a memory, you think? Might be a memory jogger? Let's find out. Well, one of our partners this year that we've gotten the most positive reaction about is the Eden Pure Air Purifier. Uses proven oxy technology, quickly destroys viruses, odors, mold, so much more. It's filterless as well, so you won't be paying out of pocket for filters for months, if not years, after the purchase or the hassle of changing those out as well. Uh, I've gotten so much good feedback on how good this product is. I've tried it in my own home and it worked out great as well. Put one in your basement, your bedroom, family room, kitchen, anywhere you need clean, fresh air. Go to EdenPureDeals.com right now. Put in a discount code 
That's Steve 3. My name, Steve 3. Why Steve 3? Because it comes in packs of threes. All right, so you get the three-pack of units for under 200 bucks when you use that discount code, Steve3. Get the three-pack of units for under 200 bucks when you use the discount code, Steve3, at EdenPureDeals.com. Just like it sounds, EdenPureDeals.com. Steve3 is the code. Oh, I should also mention, shipping is free as well. Free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code, Steve3. Well, let's close things out with some Pop Culture Tuesday. And this is when we try to look at the intersection between what's trending in popular culture as well as how it comports or conflicts, as the case may be, with the things that uh, we are attempting on shows like this to conserve. This week, I want to talk about a movie that I know Todd and Aaron have not seen. If you have not yet seen it, potential spoiler alerts. All right, I want to give you a warning. Potential spoiler alerts. I'm going to try not to give any specifics, but we will in general be discussing the plot. So spoiler alert, this is your three, count to three warning, three, two, one. All right. If you're still here, that's on you. The menu is, you've probably seen the trailer. The, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very engaging trailer about a chef played by Ray Fiennes who, um, there's more going on there than meets the eye. And a group of elites, well, you don't know yet they're a group of elites, but a group of people gather together for this exclusive excursion on a remote island. They're ferried out there on a remote island. Uh, only 12 people can come at a time, and it's 1200 bucks or something ahead. And, um, and, and you get the finest uh, delicacies and culinary concoctions of this momentously known, well, you know, respected, celebrated worldwide chef and his team. Now, the trailer hints that there is more going on than meets the eye. And there is much more. Without giving the entire thing away, all of these guests, except for one person, and if you kind of know the horror formula, there's the, um, the, the one woman who survives kind of at the end, you know, um, and, and this kind of has the horror formula where you, you travel, you journey somewhere to encounter the evil the movie is about at the beginning. At the end, there's the female lone survivor, okay? So with the exception of the female lone survivor who is not supposed to be there, and, and I won't spoil for you why she's not and how she got there, and, um, but because uh, that may spoil the movie for you. I don't want to do that, to that extent anyway. In general, though, with her as the lone exception, these other 11 people are all horrible and MSNBC viewers. And in the end, the, Ray finds his chef wants to, wants to kill them because they are a drain on society. They are a drain on their fellow man, particularly the average man. They have sucked all the joy out of life. All right, I, I, 
to make my point, I have to point this out. So, spoiler alert again. Three, two, one. The way that the woman is able to survive at the end is when she demands to go off menu. These are things you'd never eat. You'd never want to eat. You'd never ask for. Like, it's not food. It, it's it's so elite. It's it. I mean, it, it's just ridiculously sanctimonious kind of stuff. And at the end of the movie, to show she doesn't belong with them, she rejects the menu, demands to order something off menu, and Ray finds a chef says, what is it you want? She orders a cheeseburger. And Ray finds a chef starts to tear up, pauses murdering all these people to go and make her a cheeseburger, bring it to her, watch her eat it, and be enthralled by how good it is, and then says, okay, you can go. And we're going to finish killing the rest of these left-wingers after you leave. I am watching this film asking myself do they know what movie they're making here these are all elites these are your average CNN MSNBC viewers they're all horrible terrible and this elite chef decides You all need to be euthanized. And so that's what he does in the movie. Hollywood made a movie about itself deserving to be murdered because it's so terrible, so disdainful, so sanctimonious. It is irredeemable. And, and the average American shouldn't be subjected to sharing a society with these kinds of people any longer. That's the movie that it made. That is the movie that it made. And I mean, I'm in the theater watching this. I'm looking around. Anybody else following the plot of this? I mean, am I the only one kind of picking up what's being laid down here? Okay. You two have any thoughts on this? Well, I'm coming at this from two different perspectives. Part of me thinks, is this nefarious? Telling everybody, like, I mean, the devil doesn't, like, he's not happy. He doesn't love the people that are helping him do his bidding. He's going to kill them, too, in the end. Is this what he, is he basically telling all of the elites here? Thanks for uh, doing what you did, but this, you know, I th- hate this you menu just as much. Is, this menu is dedicated to all the useful idiots yeah. out there, yeah. especially those of you who had no idea you were being used all this time. For you proved to be the most useful idiots of them all, yes. Lord Nefarious, yes. right? Yeah. Is it that? And the cheeseburger was the one woman's way out of it was her purgatory. That's how she got out of there, See, essentially. That, yeah, I don't exactly know what to make out of that part because the devil would want her dead too, but I'm. It may be that. I'm also getting. Vi- the like totally opposite thing, Thomas Moore vibes. Like you gotta, you gotta write your your story. A little utopia. Yeah. A little parody. You action. gotta write it in code. 
uh like there's people like this the feeling looking behind you i've told you this before and we're watching season two right now this is the feeling i get when i watch mysterious benedict society like they're this is disney do they know what's going on because this is this is like a life raft it's so i i I guess it depends ray fine's character the chef i mean he's killing people Mm -hmm. i never watched the show there was that show did you ever watch it called dexter no, I know what you it's know about, the premises? though. He's basically, they turn a serial killer into an antihero, right? Yeah. He, his father recognized he was a sociopath, yeah. so he taught him how to only kill terrible right. people that deserve it to, to, to grind his Jones, right. right? Get his axe or grind his axe, yeah. So what, you know, who's Ray Fiennes? Who's this? Did he just snap? Yes. He, they make it clear in the film he just snapped. Okay. Yeah, yeah he just snapped. He, got, he just grew beyond exhausted that this was his clientele. That these were the, that these were the people that appreciated his work. I, essentially, you know, energy vampires, bloodsuckers, joy stealers. He's just beyond disgusted that that this was this is who he was cooking for. So he cooks them basically. That's, that's I think what at he the does. very least, self awareness, which you already talked about, is very very low. And the people in Hollywood do like hurting other people for their own enjoyment. So somebody else could... Hollywood right now is... If you're clever enough and patient enough, you can game that system. You could create this movie to, to laugh at them. Because they would see it. A bunch of people who... Uh, if they, would, they absolutely like hurting us. Mm-hmm. That's what they want to do. So you show people being hurt just for sport, it seems like. They're kind of in on that. And so, and they have no self-awareness that this, they're not really talking about you and me, Steve. They're talking about them. It's a system that can be gamed if you're patient. But if you were to see this movie, you would understand there is not another way to interpret this. I mean, for example, John Leguizamo is one of the actors in the film that the character that he portrays that took the invite to go to the island to have this uh, eat off this menu is is a is an actor john leguizamo plays an actor all right plays one all right and i mean he's a he's an awful human being tries to make it look he's an awful name dropper makes it look like he's friends with the chef when he's not okay um I mean, him and his assistant, they, 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 he was at, she was actually, she's trying to get away from him and confesses at the dinner that she was, um, uh, embezzling from him. And he's like, I knew all along, but that's okay. Because, you know, I was shortchanging you and how much you were owed and what you were, should have gotten paid. I mean, the, this is their world. So this there's movie, not another so way to interpret this. This is basically Ricky Gervais hosting the Golden yeah, Globes. That's that's what the, an analogy. Ray Fiennes is is if Leatherface met Ricky Gervais. Yes, that's exactly what happens. Yes, Aaron, is this a version of is this the is this to Hollywood what House of Cards was to DC? Mm, that's a good analogy too. Um, except the people in DC watching House of Cards loved it. Yeah, yeah, they this is about it. us. Yeah, yeah, that's a great analogy. I mean, that, that, you guys both kind of nailed it in your analogies, man. I, you're, you're right on the money. I mean, I, 
And that could get to self-awareness is dead. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, we all know actors like that in Hollywood. I'm not that kind of an actor though. So yeah, I mean, give it to that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, do that guy in. Do you guys, there was a, there was a controversial movie made a couple of years ago where elites hunted MAGA people for sport. Do you remember this? Yeah. Okay. And here's what's, I can't remember the name of it either. Here's what's fascinating is one of the actors who acted in that film and they like lure people in. And I think it's the guy that runs the convenience store in the movie. Didn't see it. Okay. And him and his wife are like anxious to go hunt these people because they don't believe in climate change. All right. That guy is also in this movie. Hmm. Yeah. He's also in this movie. Okay. So I can't remember the name of that film from a few years ago where they hunt the MAGA people. All right. But he goes from one of the uh, he goes from one of the people hunting the MAGA people for sport to now he is one of the elites that is is going to get Jonestown here at the end of this film. This can't be an accident. It can't be. It can't be. What studio made this movie? Let me look it up, actually. Who made the... What studio did the menu? I'll I'll look it up. Uh, Searchlight Pictures. Searchlight Pictures did it. I don't know who that's a derivative of. I don't know. See, I, this is, you just have, what, an 18-year-old kid quarterback who just got his scholarship revoked from Georgia? Was it Georgia? Where was it, Steve? Florida. Florida was oh, that the, the kid? Kid, just, kid porn kid. Uh, John Kittness' son? Is that no, 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 no. So no, the he, guy who he, was... He said on, a like, rap lyric in when he was, oh, I don't even know about 16. that. Yeah, yeah, I don't this even just know happened about that. I, we, we go, we search... Searchlight is a derivative company of Disney. See, I don't see it's a separate studio, okay, because this, this is a rated R your, film, but it makes my point. It is a derivative company of Disney. It, they oh they 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 acquired it in the 20th century Fox deal. So Searchlight used to be was originally started as an independent film brand by 20th Century Fox. It is now though the property of Disney. See, we're spending time looking into kids' Twitter histories, but like no self like this one gets through this is where and this goes back to it died suddenly and i'm getting paranoid to the point like are we being worked both ways is the propaganda running both ways you you think all of america is a psyop at this point don't you that's what i think about like i don't know and i like you can can literally take nothing at face value can you no but that and that simultaneously makes me feel rational and utterly paranoid well, just just so the audience knows that you're not on an limb by, on your own, we were going to in the overtime today discuss the fact that we have had this recent string of crypto billionaires just suddenly getting murdered, okay, or showing up dead. And the person we we're going to have come on and bring it up couldn't do it today after all, and so we pushed it back. And and I said, well, we'll just do it next week. They'll probably just kill another one. <laughs> and I mean, I, I I wasn't saying it like jokingly or mockingly i just i just said it like well you know it's middle of january it'll probably snow again you know, yeah. i mean just like and you kind of stopped 
And I stopped and realized that I just said this casually, like it was just expected to occur. It is dead crypto season, yes. Yes, yes. Without any irony at all. I mean, Elon Musk is doing chats where he is telling people, I don't feel suicidal. I'm in a good place right now. Right? That just happened yesterday, actually. So, I guess... To end the show asking the question, you think everything is a psyop after we began it with Anthony Fauci's sociopathic levels of gaslighting and 468 pages of seven hours of deposition. It's kind of asked and answered, Your Honor, right? Haven't we kind of come full circle here? Yeah, this has not been up with people today. No, it has not. But the menu... It's one of the biggest cell phones I've ever seen in a movie. It can't possibly be on accident. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.